Hi, I'm George Tekmachov here with my good friend Tom Dillon, the Secretary General of World Archery. Tom, we have had uh, a great start to the season. The great start continues to roll. And we just had another highly successful event with some very welcome news for a few countries who are trying to make their slots for the Tokyo Olympic Games. Thanks for joining us today. Yes, George. Uh, well, welcome to be again uh, with you. And uh, yes, like you say, it's been uh, some exciting uh, few days. Uh, we've we had some uh, excellent uh, shooting in Antalya. We also had the U.S. trials finishing. We're starting today a tournament in Korea. It's a little bit smaller tournament, but uh, we can see finally some results of some of our Asian top nations. And uh, yeah, we, we are in... Uh, less than 50 days before Tokyo, so uh, exciting days. Absolutely. You know, um, besides, of course, the, the continental qualifying tournament, it was the European Championship. Um, and that let six countries add quota places for the archery competitions in Tokyo 2020. They were France, Germany, Slovenia, and the host country, Turkey, that qualified men's spots for recurve. And that has to be a huge, a, a huge relief, specifically for well, obviously for all those countries, but France especially, um, because they were also able to secure women's quotas for France as well as Slovakia, Spain, and again the host country of Turkey. So a great achievement by those countries uh, being able to get, uh, and in the case of Turkey and France, a mixed team for um, the Tokyo Games. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's clear that I would say the, the the countries that were, I would say, so far without places that are, are can clearly be considered as some of the bigger countries in terms of performance and numbers uh, in Europe uh, were desperate for those places. Uh, sure. France, the next host for the Olympic Games, Turkey as, as a power nation in, in, in archery since many years. Um, Germany getting the men's place when they already have the women's team, uh, Spain getting the, the women's place when they already had an individual in the men from the European games. So I would say those were the ones that most people were expecting. You could say that Slovenia was not a big surprise. And Slovakia, the ones that have been following the results of the last uh, couple of years, uh, Orakova is definitely also not a surprise. Right, I agree. So if we look at um, who has places for the games right now, um, going alphabetically, Australia has a full men's team qualified, no women right now. That's on its way. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that we'll at least see that that situation might be resolved in Paris. We'll see how it goes. Bangladesh has one man qualified right now. I'm, I'm personally a little surprised they have no women, but uh, I think that they have a good chance to potentially qualify a woman. Belarus has three women, but no men. I don't know if that's going to change. Bhutan has, for the first time, a woman qualified, Ms. Karma, qualified a couple of years ago. Uh, Brazil has one man and one woman. Again, uh, another situation that I don't expect to really change much. Similarly, I think uh, might fairly say Canada has... Uh, going to have to really dig hard to qualify any more than the current one man and one woman that they currently have. 
I think now, Chad, both Canada, Canada and Brazil, sorry, uh, George, to interrupt you, but Canada and Brazil are definitely two outsiders for the men's team in Paris. We shouldn't, uh, I would say, forget about them because they might be two nations that create a surprise. Okay, and, and that's an important insight. Chad has one man that is, uh, again, uh, another one that's uh, kind of uh, rare, uh, that Chad has a qualified Olympian. Similar to Bhutan in that regard. Chile has one man qualified right now. Now, in the past, they've had strong recurve women. I don't know what their current status is competition wise. China has fully qualified. China is one of the few countries that has fully qualified uh, with six team members, three men and three women. Same as Chinese Taipei, fully qualified, three men and three women. Colombia has one man and one woman, and and Tom, speaking of surprises, I, I won't be surprised if I see Colombia um, possibly get a team slot. We'll yeah, see. They've, been I mean, practicing, they've been practicing in Lausanne since the World Cup in Lausanne, so they're used to the time zone uh, of Paris and also the weather is pretty similar, so they, and I've seen them practice and they're doing quite well. Cote d'Ivoire has one woman qualified. Denmark has one woman qualified. The People's Democratic Republic of Korea, what we call North Korea here in the United States, and, and we do not refer to that country name in World Archery and IOC, DPR Korea has one man and one woman, but Tom, um, the current media reports indicate that DPR Korea may not be attending the games. That could allow for a couple of allocation spots, potentially. Any Anybody that doesn't show up for the games, tell us briefly about the potential for reallocation of spots. Well, that definitely is, I had a discussion with the IOC on, on that particular case this morning. There is definitely uh, a chance that that will be given back to the, the pot that, that is distributed. Uh, but the, the question is when that will happen, if it happens before Paris or after Paris, will have an impact on how the allocation will happen. Yes, and that's why I bring it up, because uh, it would be nicer, to, I think, to know before Paris, right? Just from a simplicity that, standpoint. That, that's why we are trying to push as hard as possible to have a decision. On the other hand, I understand as well, we're not the only federation that has this challenge. So. Uh, our agenda and the IOC's agenda might be a little bit different. Uh, so we'll see what comes out of it, but it is possible that those places will come back. Well, and, you know, while that is a possibility, I think the best thing would be for um, every country that has a space in the Olympic Games to participate in the spirit of the Games. And, and hopefully maybe some change will take place that will allow the DPR Korea athletes to be able to participate in what is meant to be an event that is held in peace and in good fellowship and good sporting tradition. And, uh, you know, personally, I would prefer to see the DPR Korea athletes allowed to compete. I hope that that comes to pass. Ecuador has one woman right now who is qualified. Egypt, who has had flashes of brilliance in the past, like in the Youth Olympic Games, as one man and one woman right now. The largest country in world archery, France, as far as participation goes, France has one man and one woman right now. Big relief for France, Tom. Absolutely. 
Germany and has I would say uh, one... the, way, the way they got the place it was impressive because both Jean-Charles Valadon and especially Lisa Barbola, who is now actually number one in the world, uh, were very impressive in Antalya. Absolutely. And, you know, the conditions were not perfect. Uh, there was a windy, windy condition, but they shot really well under the circumstances. Germany, and by the way, uh, let me back up, being able to shoot well in windy conditions, mark my words, will be useful this July. Anyway, yes, yeah. Germany has uh, one man and a full women's team headed up by Lisa Unruh. And uh, I think that uh, we will see some good performance from the German women uh, in Tokyo. But, uh, you know, time will tell. Now, here's a pleasant surprise for me. GBR, which has a fully qualified team. You know, uh, if you went back a few years, you wouldn't have expected GBR to have fully qualified, but there they are. Three men and three women fully qualified for GBR. On the other hand, I would have expected India to have a full qualified team. They've got three men, but only one woman right now. Indonesia has one man and one woman qualified right now. The Islamic Republic of Iran has one man qualified. A little bit of a surprise. I'm sure there's going to be some pressure on Italy to try to try to qualify a team because Italy has one man and one woman right now. And I, I you know, I, Italy not having a full team in either category, particularly in the men, would be a big surprise. I'm sure they'll be feeling the pressure come Paris, Tom. Well, and they and they took a conscious decision not to send their best uh, team to Antalya. They sent their uh, what you could call B team to Antalya to prepare them for Paris and um, um, definitely makes they're, sense. They're under pressure, but they will be there. Yeah, yeah. And just to clarify for people who don't know for sure, I, you know, because all this FQT, CQT, all this stuff, the CQT only lets you qualify one or a team. Uh, excuse me, only one slot, not a team. It's the FQT that allows you to qualify a team if you have a single slot like Italy already has. Or you can qualify one slot there if you can't qualify a team and you don't already have a slot. So uh, once again, uh, you either get one, all or nothing in this situation as it stands right now. Um, Kazakhstan has three men qualified, but no women. I don't think that I would expect to see, well, maybe there will be a surprise. You never know. Korea has a full qualified team, three men, three women, no surprises there. And so I don't think Korea will even bother. Will they bother with their own GP, Tom, the, 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 uh, event going on this week? Are they entered? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They entered in there. Well, surprise, surprise. They're they're heading up the the, the results. Uh, there were some good scores, uh, some new Asian records, no world records, but uh, there's some nice scores there. Well, they've been preparing, so there's no question about that. Now, Malaysia uh, has one man qualified right now. I I think Malaysia will try to qualify a full team. Um, Malaysia did unfortunately lose one of its anchor athletes earlier this year um, who passed away, Mr. Kamaruddin passed away as uh, a big shock for many of us who are part of the Asian cup circuit and uh, a very sad situation there for Malaysia. Hopefully they have enough depth that he can possibly be replaced as, uh, as that goes forward. Mexico has two, Mexico has one man and one woman. Moldova has one woman qualified, 
I don't think I'd be terribly surprised to see one man from Moldova, Tom. Absolutely, uh, Mr. Olori. Sure yeah, no, absolutely. Dan is is definitely uh, uh, among the favorites to get that uh, individual place. Yes. Yep, absolutely. Mongolia has one man. I I would not be surprised if uh, I think Bishindi Urantungalag is probably going to have to wait for Paris. Um, looking at the quarterfinals right now for the Asia Cup World Ranking Tournament, uh, we see that Korea is in the semifinals with An San. Um, Japan with a you know pretty strong pretty strong situation. They are all in the quarterfinals, and unfortunately, that means that. Two of the Japanese team members are going up against each other for the quarters, and that means that uh, only one will follow. And then um, the way it's bracketed, there is a shot for Japan to have a, a shot at the gold medal final, uh, potentially. So we have uh, two shooters from Korea, or three shooters from Korea, I should say. We have three shooters from Japan, and then one from Bangladesh, uh, Rajoni Akter who has been a consistently strong shooter uh, for the recurve women, Tom. Uh, so the outcome of that, of course, Japan has a full team, being the host country for the Olympic Games. Korea has a full team. This could be a very good thing for Bangladesh. We could be seeing Bangladesh in a position for a mixed team uh, coming out of this Asia Cup. So for the recurve men, we have all three Koreans in the quarterfinals in the Asia Cup right now. And we have two archers from Japan. So we've got Kim Woo-jin. We've got Yuki Kawata versus Ojin Hyuk in the next pass uh, to try to go to the semifinal. Takahara Furukawa, the silver medalist of the London Olympic Games, he's going to be up against Kim Ji-dok of Korea. It, it shows us that uh, well, both Japan and Korea are, are, I would say, getting ready for the games and uh, absolutely putting in some good scores. Uh, Kim Mojin, as always, uh, ranked first, and uh, uh, he's five points under the world record. So uh, it's a, it's a new Asian record. Absolutely, uh, so, uh, it's uh, not too bad. No, not too bad. That's one way to say it. So Malaysia has one man qualified right now. Mexico has a mixed team available to them. They've got one man and one woman. I think that they're going to try to work on on doing better than that in Paris. But time the, the women's team definitely is to watch. Yes, absolutely. Netherlands has three men, so a full team for the Netherlands men, and that's no surprise. One woman qualified right now. They have a couple of shooters that are up and coming. It'll be interesting to see how they perform in Paris. Absolutely. New Zealand has two shooters right now, so New Zealand will be going for the mixed team. Yeah, and, uh, one and man one, and one woman. That one, unfortunately, doesn't look very good because New Zealand uh, has had uh, always a policy of, of being very strict on sending athletes to the Olympic Games, and and uh, we hope it can be resolved. But uh, it looks very much that those places might come back because, unfortunately, with all the lockdowns, they haven't been able to go outside of the country and and, and show what they are worth and. Uh, it seems uh, at the moment uh, very doubtful we'll see New Zealand archers uh, in, in Tokyo. But I, as long as we don't have the final decision, uh, we can't say much more about it. Yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye on that, and hopefully, you again, as you as we talked about with the DPR Korea situation, hopefully that'll be available information-wise before the Paris uh, event. Because uh, boy, does it complicate. Well, quite frankly, it complicates your life a lot because you're the one that's got to do the calculations. Yes. Thank you, George. 
Well, Tom, that's, you know, I mean, you know, every four years you get the stress and the fun of having to figure out all of these super critical things that, I mean, that's got to be the most stressful job uh, that you have to do, honestly. I, I can't even uh, imagine the responsibility. It's definitely one of them, yes. Yeah, especially in, in a COVID climate. Yeah, no no joking aside here. It's, uh, it's certainly uh, going to be a particularly important one this time around. Now, Russia. Russia has three women qualified, no men. I would be surprised not to see Russia making a strong yeah. shot. The thing is, I, for instance, in, in, the, in the European uh, Championships, they did quite well, but in the qualifying tournament lead to the European Championship, they didn't do so well. So it's going to be interesting to see how they will do in, in uh, Paris. Uh, as far as I understand, there will be some team changes before Paris, and uh, we'll see. But uh, they're definitely among the ones that people uh, have to look out for. Most certainly. Slovakia has one. Slovenia has one. Slovakia has a woman. Slovenia has one man. Um, I don't know how likely it is that either one of those will be able to add the opposite gender for a mixed team in Paris, but they're certainly going to be trying, I'm sure. Slovenia Spain has the more likely one, for sure. Yes, because they've got a little more depth. Spain has got one man, and uh, as a result of Turkey, one woman now. So Spain has a good shot at a mixed team. Don't know. I don't. If I had to guess, I would say probably not going to be much beyond that. But again, well, no. you know, it's 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 interesting you say that because I if Paris would not take place and it would be based on world ranking list, which is what is foreseen in in the system, if if it wouldn't have happened, but I, Paris is going to happen. Let's be clear. But then Spain would have had both a men and a women's place because they're doing quite well in the team competitions uh, recently. So yes. this, this uh, Spain and then, okay, the ones you mentioned afterwards, Turkey, are, are definitely two of the teams, both men and women, that could go for a place. Sweden has one woman qualified right now. You know, Tom, it occurs to me that if Berbo were an Olympic sport, Sweden would be the Korea of, of Berbo. <laughs> yes, I agree. Although All the Koreans right, would quickly uh, learn how to shoot a bear ball. Uh, oh, actually, yes. we have uh, Kyung Soo, the coach of the center, shot a bear ball last weekend and didn't do too bad. But he took it very serious, bear ball, because he actually shot without the tap as well. Because bear ball is their fingers. Oh. Well, I, 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 there's nothing else to say. That's, yes. that's the... <laughs> You know, that would make a great April Fool's post. Uh, you know, WA decides to go all the way with Barebo, no tab allowed. Yeah, it would be so obvious that it's, that, that it's not uh, serious that uh, we would get in trouble of even uh, trying to put it on their website. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. You know, it's, it's funny, uh, not to, not to uh, take us off rail here, but uh, there's been some discussion lately about the Barebo rules and tabs and um it's going to be interesting to see some of the things that might come up regarding this we can talk about that some other time but uh there's certain scrutiny at the usa archery level right now about what's going on with barebow shooters and their use of specific things on tabs that kind of act like a clicker and there's some controversy brewing so we'll have to keep an eye uh, on it's, it's, it's beyond controversy it, it is actually uh an interpretation going to our technical committee so um we will see what comes out of it well, we'll pick it up uh, when we talk about the uh, the things coming up at the Congress as we uh, wrap up this discussion of the Olympic qualifying. 
Sweden, as I mentioned, has one woman. Tunisia has a uh, shot at a mixed team medal. Tunisia has one man and one woman qualified. And now Turkey, after Antalya, has a one man, one woman mixed team available. I would not be surprised to see Turkey going for more than that in Paris. Ukraine has three women qualified. Feels like we've come a long way, Tom, since 2008 when Viktor Rubin won the Olympic Games. Uh, Ukraine has not had a big group of men performing in the last couple of years, as far as I can see. USA is probably the country feeling as much pressure as any, with one man and one woman qualified right now, and their last chance is going to be in Paris. And, uh, you know, I know the USA team is working hard at this, trying to, uh, you know, have a fully qualified men's team at the very least, and through perhaps some outside miracle, a women's team. Um, USA, as you mentioned, Tom, at the start of the show, has completed its Olympic trials process. We have a very experienced men's team for the USA. Um, you know, we've got sort of the old compadres of Brady Ellison and Jacob Wookie. They're going to be competing along with Jack Williams, who's been an up and coming shooter for quite a long time now. And then the women's team has Casey, who's been shooting really well, Casey Coffold. And Mackenzie Brown, who's been shooting really well. And a third person who's never shot outside the United States. What a, what a way to start your Olympic debut with the Olympic Games being your first international event. Uh, well, I guess it'll be her second since odds are the United States will probably send that full team to Paris to try to qualify. And then finally, Vietnam with one man and one woman qualified. And then individual places available at the final qualifier, two men and one woman. So, you know, the team is going to be the emphasis here, Tom. Well, yes, and because, and then of course the team will influence the individual because depending on who gets the team places, uh, there might be individual places added. I could also go to a country that has no places yet. I'm thinking of a country like Poland, which uh, also was doing quite okay in Antalya, but when it matters, they weren't there. But who yeah. knows uh, what happens uh, in Paris. So. Uh, it's clear that for instance, if the U.S. gets a, a place uh, with the team, then automatically there's one individual place more. If uh, Poland or, uh, uh, I don't know, Belgium uh, gets gets a team place, then it, there is no additional individual place. So it depends a little bit on, on who gets the places or what will happen. Uh, but uh, I, the expectancy is that people that already have at least one place would be the ones getting the team places. But... You never know what happens. But that, you know, that's what uh, that's what will make it very interesting to to track as the event goes on in Paris. Um, that's going to be very dynamic because of the factors and, and the other, you just other, described. Yeah, and the other thing that is very interesting is that we we, we create the schedule in Paris that it's well, first of all it's a standalone event, the, the qualifier in, in contrast with the previous uh, final qualifying tournaments that were really integrated as part of the World Cup as such, but now it's a standalone prior to the World Cup. And all the the really key matches will be shot one by one with TV coverage. Uh, so it will add some additional pressure. Uh, and, uh, uh, well, it's, it is to qualify for the Olympics. So you have to be there on that day. 
So we talked about DPR Korea. We talked about New Zealand. That is a total of four individual places that could be up for grabs, potentially, depending on how things shake out, depending on whether those countries decide to send their athletes. And we also have a number of slots available to a separate category, which is, uh, you know, sort of a, it's the slots reserved for developing countries, basically. It's one way to look at it. Um, have those all been allocated, Tom, or is there, are some no, of those? No, because we have, to, we have to wait to the results of Paris, because um, uh, you mentioned uh, some countries uh, already in the list uh, that have asked for invitation places. Uh, there is uh, one archer that is currently in the top 10 um, of the world right from the Virgin Islands. Nicola Damour from Virgin Islands. He has uh, a request for an invitation place, but he's definitely also one of the ones that could get a place uh, uh, in Paris. So uh, there is there is many, I would say, um, things we have to finalize with the qualification place before we can allocate the two men and two women places. But um, we we have we have a good idea, I would say, about uh, IOC and World Archie on who could get those places, but we can't announce anything until the outcome of the, the final qualifying tournament. Sure. And then as we look forward to that uh, situation, we'll, we'll uh, no doubt have a better idea of uh, you know, circumstances with New Zealand and with, with North Korea, uh, you know, getting closer to that situation. Moving on, when we look at preparation with uh, less than uh, seven weeks before the Olympic Games begin, as we speak right now. Things seem to be going relatively smoothly. There was a uh, board meeting of uh, Tokyo 2020 uh, a couple of days ago. Um, not a single word about cancellation. That is off the table as far as conversation goes, but the media okay. sure seems to be that discussion is is over. The, the games will take place. Uh, the, the only real question still on the table is what's the capacity of spectators. Now we had uh, Sebastian Fruit, our, uh, our our delegate, was there uh, last week. He inspected the venue. The stands uh, look brilliant. There is a lot of space. Uh, my expectation is that uh, for outdoor venues, and I, I stress the word outdoor venues. Uh, there will be a 50% capacity uh, allocated. That's that's my expectation at the moment. But we are waiting. Uh, all of the federations are waiting for uh, for the official decision, and we will get that in the next two weeks. So, some potentially hopeful thoughts there regarding the potential for what would be an all Japanese audience to be able to at least attend that event and uh, lend some atmosphere, some badly needed atmosphere, in my opinion, to to Yumanoshima for the purpose of uh, spectating. But we'll know for sure, as you say, Tom, uh, in the next few weeks. There is still a lot going on, uh, even beyond the Olympics and the Paralympics. And of course, that is the World Archery Championship scheduled for later this year. And along with the World Archery Championship, we have the World Archery Congress, which takes place every two years. The purpose of the Congress is to get all of the delegates from all of WA's, what is it now, 156 members, Tom? 166. 166 member nations to deliberate and choose the imperatives, prerogatives, and 
initiatives that keep our sport moving. And um, among some of those are motions to make adjustments to certain aspects of our sport. In very general terms, um, some of these things are, are, are pretty much uh, paper shuffling from the standpoint of making changes to wordings and in pieces of the rules to make things a little more clear. For example, um, a little bit of wording that says things like, uh, you will be very specific about the wording of, uh, you know, genders at Congress, right? There's, uh, you know, the little bit of minutia involving voting delegates. And it says now in this, um, in this particular piece that I'm talking about, it calls out that there will be gender balance uh, for those delegates, meaning that both genders must be presented as part of that. That may or may not go through, but that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about here. And then on the other hand, you've got motions for things that could have a big impact on the, on the aspect of our sport that both from a participation standpoint and from a you know, presentation standpoint. And that involves things like potential changes to the number of arrows or potential changes to the size of the target. Um, in general terms, Tom, um, what, what of these do you think are the ones that are going to be uh, the most potential for actual change going into the, into the uh, Congress? Well, you described it well in, in the sense that, okay, it's, it, it is really a Congress decision and, and we will have to see how, how it goes. I, I, I must say, I, I'm, I'm looking to this Congress as a Congress where substantial changes could be made uh, or not. Uh, you mentioned the number of arrows um, as a, an important one. We have, we have basically, I would say, some motions that will help to reduce the length of our competitions. This is, this is important because we feel that this is becoming an issue. Uh, and there is only basically two options, or reduce the number of athletes or reduce the time that they are competing. And uh, we prefer to keep the number of athletes and reduce the time that they are competing. So there is motions linked to that. Then there is when you reduce the number of arrows, you want to avoid that there is too many ties. So then you have to find a solution that the scoring doesn't end up with having uh, 15 or 20 people tied for the same score. Uh, so th that's another reason why then there is a change of the target phase proposed or a change of the scoring for, for compound uh, as such. Now, like I said, it's, it, is, it is not, I would say, uh, of course, if those changes go through, it will be a major change, yes. yes. But it's not, we're not in a situation like many years ago where we had to make a, de a decision to go from the marathon to the 100 meters between the 14-14 round uh, or even double 14-14 round and uh, shooting match play. So we're not in a situation where it is, uh, I would say critical changes, there are important changes, but if they don't happen, then we will have to come the next Congress with probably two options and the two options will be very clearly or limit participation or limit time because we'll have to do one of the two. It, it, it is in the long term, we have to find a solution because the events are becoming too big, too long and we have to make them all shorter or smaller, but both cannot continue to grow. 
Well, let's dive into the specifics because as you point out very, very importantly, here's the thing, Tom, we're specialists, right? We are so deep into this stuff as archery people, you know, for, for 30 years, you and I have been, have been, uh, you know, at the very depths of this kind of thing, uh, as deep into it as you can get. Thanks for reminding me that I'm getting old. Thank you, George. (laughs) (laughs) And you're coming up on your 25th anniversary at WA, are you not, my friend? Uh, it actually it was last week. Yes. <laughs> ah, I'm sorry I missed it. I should have sent you some flowers. <laughs> well, well, the thing is that uh, we, we we missed it because I was too busy handling some very critical things for the Paris qualifier, and and so I haven't been able to finalize my blog on the 25 years. It is it is work in progress and will be done before the end of the month. Oh, very good. And I'll look forward to reading that. But I also think that uh, it's the quintessential celebration, Tom. If you really think about it, if you look back at the last 25 years, you know, when has it not been like a duck? You know how a duck looks like it's serene above the water, but underneath it's paddling like crazy? So, oh, yes. you know, yeah, I think you're paddling very very last week. <laughs> but there are, there are, there are, let's just get, get into it. Um, there's the 100 centimeter target face proposal. That is a smaller target. And there's the 60 arrows incentive, 72 arrows proposal. That is less arrows. And then there's the 11 ring potentially for compound, both indoors and outdoors. And all of these tie together in exactly the manner in which you described. All of this has intent behind it. This is not just, oh, well, let's make the target smaller. This is, let's make the target smaller because if we cut down the number of arrows, we're gonna have more ties and a smaller target will allow for more separation. And in the case of compound, add the 11 ring because that will allow potentially more separation. Now, those are two separate things and and we can talk about those separately, but on the recurve side, it is not the sea change that Jim Easton brought to our sport when we went to match play for the 1992 Olympic games. It is not the sea change that uh, Mr. Nicky Rusconi brought to the 1988 Olympic Games with the Grand FIDA. It is a small adjustment. If you're a casual observer of archery, you're not gonna really see the difference between 60 arrows and 72 arrows. So do you see that as an attractive option strictly from the standpoint of keeping the events manageable as they stand right now and allowing for more participation? Look, okay, I, I think it's it's uh, definitely that that is, is the major factor. Now, it is also allowing us to to have, I would say, a more consistent approach to certain things. Uh, we have sixty arrows indoor, uh, so it's it's uh, it will allow us to to be like with tennis. In tennis, you play uh, uh, the same number of sets uh, uh, during the year, if even if you're indoor, outdoor, on clay, on hard court, and so on. Uh, they only have the Grand Slams where they play a little bit longer, but for the rest, it's consistent across the year. And I think this is something we are trying to achieve as well. But it's, it's I would say that's a that's a, um, a secondary reason. The main reason, like I said, is reducing time uh, and, and shortening competition, which which is something that is necessary from uh, from from many points of uh, reasons. The calendar being overcrowded to make sure that our professional athletes can go from one event to another and not having to choose between events. So there is, there is many reasons behind it. And, and like I said, we will see what happens. 
I, I, I feel quite relaxed about it. Uh, I, I don't feel any specific uh, stress going to this Congress with these motions because, like I said, it can go either way and, and we, will, we will see what happens. And uh, we will have probably a lot of discussion coming up now that we've published them. Uh, there is going to be all kinds of arguments in favor and against, and, and we'll see what comes out. Now, on the compound side, um, on the last podcast, Steve Anderson and I were talking a little bit about the compound rounds, and, and Steve's opinion um, is that he'd, he'd like to see the distance stretched out 10 meters. That is not what is being proposed here, though. What's being proposed is another part of what Steve brought up, and that is start counting X's. And by doing that, you'd be calling it an 11 in the case of compound. Now, recurve would start counting X's and compound would start scoring X's as an 11, according to this bylaw proposal. And again, I got to really emphasize, this is just a proposal. These are not yet adopted. Um, and the executive yeah. board would adopt those if the motion is approved at Congress. But, you know, we're, we're not there. Uh, but with that said, interesting possibility to do what has been done in field archery for some time. Well, the, the thing is, like you said, and, and okay, I, I tend to, to, to agree with, with, with what you said on, on, on uh, what uh, Steve was saying in terms of lengthening the distance definitely was another option they looked at. Um, the, the thing that uh, the target committee tried to do with their motion was to give I would say um, a reward for good shooting rather than not to punish for a bad shot. Uh, and, in, and this is really, I would say, the, the, um, the thinking behind was also to make it consistent across the different levels of archery. For the top level, it doesn't really matter if you put it at 60 meter with the same target or at 50 meter with an 11 counting. It won't really make a difference from the highest level. But it's clear yep. that if you go to a lower level, uh, shooting 10 meters further will drastically reduce your score. And, and I think this was the, the main thinking behind why target committee went with this option and not with uh, the 60 meter, which would have clearly been the other option. Uh, but again, uh, who knows? Maybe there might be an amendment coming in that direction. Maybe we will have next Congress. If it doesn't pass this time, that 60 meters is an option. I don't know. Um, we, we have to see what comes out of the of the amendments and, and then see, okay, what happens in Congress. And then maybe in 23, there is another proposal. Who knows? Uh, we'll have another composition of the target committee. They might come up with different ideas. But this is this was what was coming out of the consensus of our joint committee meetings, where both coaches committee, athletes committee, target committee, judge committee, they all looked at it. And this is what came out of the, the discussion. Now, there was definitely not unanimity on, on with the way forward. I know that certain uh, members of the athletes committee definitely did not want the 11, uh, but okay, uh, in the end, it's uh, we had to come with a proposal. This is the proposal, and then we'll see what Congress does. Absolutely. You know, the thing about the 11 ring is, <clears throat> and it's, it's uh, really looking toward the grassroots, it, as you pointed out earlier, does not penalize the grassroots shooter the way the changing distance or target size does. We have to have a round that is accessible, that gives people who are not the Steve Andersons, the Jimmy Lutzes of the world, the ability 
to participate at a level that they're satisfied with so that they stay in the system, stay with the sport, proceed and 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 some percentage of them rises to the top of the pyramid. Um, and making the round too difficult for club shooters is counterproductive. It really hurts participation. And I think that this is a pretty good balance. Um, you know, I've, I've, in the past, I've been pretty dismissive of the 11 ring strictly from a presentation standpoint, Tom, because, you know, as somebody who's in the past been involved in sport presentation, I like simplicity for audiences. I like it easy for somebody who dabbles in the sport or doesn't know much about the sport to immediately understand what's happening. And in my opinion, uh, you know, having a, uh, something other than a, than a 10, nine, et cetera, is more complicated. But at the end of the day, they'll figure it out. It would be okay. I, you know, I, I just think that it's one of those situations where we have to keep in mind what is the goal. The goal is to allow for people at every level to participate in our sport. That means that the pros have the chance to get to every event because they're not blocking the number of participants. It means that the club people have a chance to shoot the same round as the pros without having to have, you know, half an hour at the end of every day looking for arrows. So this is actually, in my mind, a pretty well thought out uh, plan. And as you say, we'll see whether it actually comes through or not when everybody gets together and, and talks about it and, uh, and works out the details. Looking at some of the other motions, um, there is some things here for a traditional division uh, change, uh, one that involves uh, just a change to a name, right? Uh, the current it's, instinctive it, it, bow. It's a change of a name, but it's more a change of philosophy as well, as far as I understand the, the, the purpose of the motion. Uh, it, it is to simplify things because the, and also the, to get rid of that that word instinctive, which was creating more problems than than resolving things, and and uh, sure. so we'll we'll see there as well. Uh, again, it's 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 one of those motions where okay, if if that's what what the Congress wants, we we will implement it, or if Congress doesn't want it, we'll 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 send it back to the drawing board of the Field and Treaty Committee. It's it's. It is, it is what it is, and uh, we'll see what comes out of it. But I think it's it's a combination of both technical committee and the field and 3D committee trying to find a, a solution that we get away from the the complexity of the current rules uh, where the whole discussion, can the, the, the tiller be moved? Can the... Uh, uh, can you have? Do you have to have one of the two limbs fixed, uh, and, and so on and so on? And it's 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 really uh, trying to simplify the rules. That that is the real attempt of this motion. Now, it's it's I, I'm I'm not 100 sure we will achieve it by by accepting it, but it is definitely an attempt in that direction. I suppose that the uh, the shorthand way to refer to this is bare bow without string walking. But uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> you could say so, yes. Yeah. So, Tom, one, one aspect of our podcast is we record live. And just as we were talking, you had something come across your screen a moment ago uh, that absolutely impacts what we were talking about earlier with the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, North Korea. And, uh, and that's breaking right now. What, what happened? So basically, the IOC executive board had a meeting today, and they decided that basically uh, they 
position of, of the DPRK um, NOC uh, General Assembly has been uh, acknowledged and that therefore the places uh, obtained at the Asian Games by the NOC are back in the available places and therefore we will allocate one additional men and one additional women's place in uh, Paris in a few days. So that, that opens up the potential for a couple more countries to participate. At least, uh, you know, one more country could participate as a mixed team, or we could be seeing two separate countries get that man's, man's and woman's slot for the games. But uh, that's big news, uh, IOC having made that decision. Um, I, I think that's unfortunate that, that the DPRK decided not to participate. I, I sincerely believe that Olympism is the one place where we can put this sort of thing aside, but uh, that's their decision. And, and so opportunity, another opportunity for another country to potentially get their uh, Olympic uh, slots for Tokyo. Um, there is a another bunch of other items in the uh, rules that uh, talk about little details like a uh, small tweak to the change of nationality wording, um, just, you know, housekeeping stuff. But the big ones are the ones that could affect, you know, how, how we present our sport, how you see it, uh, how many arrows are shot, things of that nature. Uh, not to, not to put too fine a point on it, Tom, this is going to get very thoroughly discussed. There's, this is not, a foregone conclusion that any changes will actually take no. place, right? And, and, and like, like we, we talked about, it's, it's definitely something that is uh, quite open, and, and and we'll see what comes out of it. Uh, the other thing that is that is actually um, uh, a proposal going to the Congress because it is a, a bylaw, and a bylaw is decided by the executive board rather than by the Congress. Is is the timing of the arrows, uh, and it's again linked to shortening the the whole competition uh, as such. So there is a, there is a proposal going forward to go um, to to basically what would be effectively 30 seconds per arrow for non-alternating shooting. So uh, we would take away uh, one minute of the four minutes for shooting six arrows. Um, and so um, although it is not a Congress decision, we want to have the opinion of Congress on it before the board will decide on it. The board could go against the wish of Congress if they so to wish, but of course it would not be the smartest thing to do uh, as such. But it's, it's again, it's, it's a way of, of making sure that we get the right input from people and that we, the, the board can make the right decision. Well, if you want to have new world records, that's one way to force it. I'm serious. If a lot of people could benefit from shooting faster, in my opinion, so <laughs> so you never know what what unexpected outcomes could happen if they were to do something like that. But as you point out, um, you know that's going to get thoroughly discussed as well. Obviously, you're going to get a lot of um, shrieking and moaning from us older shooters, some of us, who uh, would insist that they must have the full forty seconds to shoot each arrow. But at the end of the day, if you haven't got that shot off within, you know. 10, 15 seconds, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> and probably there is an easier solution, reduce bow yeah. weight. Yeah. yeah, that's one that's hard on the ego, Tom, isn't it? Isn't it, you know, you and I, we've both gotten a little older. I really hate conceding <laughs> that I need to lighten up my bow. I really don't like it, but there it is. Yeah, well, it's human nature. 
I suppose that one one rationalization behind it would be it's it's what I've earned after refining my form all these years, masking my crappy release with a heavy bow. <laughs> yep. No comment. So, yep. Well, Tom, I, hey, I want to thank you for taking the time uh, to go through all of this uh, detailed information. And I know that you've got a, a huge amount of work to do to get ready for Paris, especially with the news that we just got from IOC. But let me just say thank you for 25 years of service to World Archery. Congratulations on your uh, 25th anniversary with World Archery. And I am looking forward to buying you a nice drink the next time I get to see you to help commemorate this uh, momentous quarter century serving all of us in sport. Thank you. Thank you very much, yours, and I uh, look forward to uh, having that nice uh, drink with you, uh, uh, most likely in Yankton.